Let's get into our teaching. Would you open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13? It's interesting to me because two years ago, in 2018, I, I taught the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And it's funny how that happens. And during that time, we had a good time looking at facts and statistics of what happens on Thanksgiving Day. So it's fun. Well, what we talked about last time, a couple years ago, statistics, 46 million turkeys will give their lives this season so that you can enjoy a big turkey dinner that will be the centerpiece of your table. 46 million turkeys. Ironically enough, it's not a very popular item throughout the rest of the year. I mean, does anyone else go looking for like frozen turkeys in June? Oh, I got one hand back there. You just like the leftovers, that's all. In fact, it's important to know too that most people don't really care for the Thanksgiving dinner that much. They like the leftovers. You know, they build those like stuffing mashed potato turkey sandwiches and it just like oozes out all over the place. Yeah, that's what people are after. That's what they really want, but it's like, okay, we gotta get the dinner out of the way. But 46 million turkeys, that's a lot of turkeys. I should preface this though, that is a normal year, okay? As you understand, we, we realize that 2020 is not a normal year, right? 46 million turkeys in a normal year. It's interesting though, because um, this year what we've discovered is that 100% of turkeys surveyed stated that they will be staying home this season and quarantining. They will not be participating in the Thanksgiving festivities. Now, I think that's 100% of them surveyed. I think that's a little convenient, right? I don't understand it. Looks like ham will be the, uh, the dinner of choice. Because 98% of pigs surveyed stated that they look forward to Thanksgiving and the festivities and they want to enter in. So throw them on a spit, put an apple in their mouth, and it looks like you're going to have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you like ham. Kidding. We got a turkey yesterday. I don't know who comes up with these statistics. But also, too, 50 million pumpkin pies will be consumed Thanksgiving. 50 million. That's a lot more than the turkeys, but interesting. Maybe tur people aren't turkey fans. I don't know. Which, by the way... And I'm going to share this. My wife played a naughty trick on me this morning. Uh, she goes, what do you want for breakfast? I said, she goes, waffles? I'm like, yes. Peanut butter and jelly or syrup? Syrup. Lots of butter. Great. Do you want sausage too? Yes. And so, of course, you know, they, the links end up on the paper plate, and, you know, you dive in, jump into the rig, and start heading up. And I get a bite into this uh, sausage link, and I'm like, uh, something's up. I get another bite into it, and I immediately am like, my body was like, uh, uh, uh. I said, is this turkey sausage? She goes, yeah. I'm like, Pfft. I threw them back and Evan ate them. Okay, that is wrong. Okay, you do not make sausage out of turkey. 
okay? It's a pagan thing. I don't identify with it. My spirit is not in tune with that. It is, uh, and she's like, I'm trying to make you healthy. I'm like, listen, I operate on sugar, fat, and carbs, okay? My body instantly rejected that turkey. It's gone. Pray for my wife. <laughs> or, or me. You will consume 229 grams of fat during Thanksgiving dinner. That's what you're going to do. That is three to four times more than just the average day. You're going to have 3,000 calories Thanksgiving, which I don't think, is that a lot? How much can you have a day? Like 2,000? Is that what? 2,000 a day. It, did they up it to five? Oh, you do. John does. John upped it to five. I thought it was 2,000. That's what it is. They're saying for the dinner itself is 3,000 calories, which still, okay, and? I do that probably every day. Okay, here's something I found. Only male turkeys gobble. The female turkeys cackle. You guys, I'm going to let that marinate in your minds right there. I'm just going to let that hang. You guys come up with your conclusions on how that relates to us as humans. Okay, moving on. Black Friday. The busiest day for Rotor Rooter. Okay, so it's either garbage disposals, drains, or yes, toilets. 46 million turkeys. Okay. I don't know why I find that interesting. The first Thanksgiving, 1621. Presidents back in those days, they didn't necessarily, uh, it wasn't an actual holiday every year. Presidents before Abe Lincoln, they had to observe it and make it one. And so um, there was a president that, I forget his name, I think it was, uh, you guys might know, I didn't write it down. But he didn't even observe it because he felt like that was uh, violating separation of church and state because so much prayer happens and reflection that uh, it would violate the First Amendment. However... Abe Lincoln did make it a national holiday, and we've celebrated it ever since. Sarah Joseph Hale, uh, she gets a lot of the credit for this. She's referenced as the mother of Thanksgiving. And uh, after decades of writing and lobbying for this, she understood the importance of a day set aside to, for us to do nothing but give thanks for the things that we have and what, for what God has done to, for us. And so uh, Abraham Lincoln made it a national holiday. How cool is that? We get to celebrate that this week. Um, I'm done with my facts. I had a lot more, but let's get into the word. Hebrews chapter 13. We get to take a day and pause this week and just gather with friends and family and, and celebrate what we are thankful for. And there are many traditions that people have. Some gather and, you know, before or after the meal and, and they, you know, they watch football. And some get out and throw the football around the yard afterwards, kind of work off that turkey. Basically what they're doing is compacting everything down 
to make more room for seconds, and that's good. Um, some, we do kind of a cool thing. We sit around and we go around the room. It's like, okay, what are you thankful for? Go. And everyone gets to go around the room, and it's a real fun thing. If you guys don't do this, it's one that you might want to start. It's really awesome because you really get to hear people talk. They have the floor for a minute, and they get to share on what they think uh, is, hits the list, if you will, of being really thankful uh, that they have in their life. And uh, so it's really cool because me and my brother-in-law, Bo, we always are, you know, we're each other's number one on our list. Um, just to have some fun. But it's really cool to do that, and that's what we're going to be celebrating this coming week is uh, a time where we just pause and, and just rest and relax and, and just enjoy company and reflect on what it is that we are grateful for and uh, what we're thankful for. You know, and I saw this scripture, and it spoke to me, Hebrews 13. Look down there at verse 5. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's our Lord. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. No matter what, he will always have your back. He will always be right there. He'll never leave you, and that's comforting. But he says here, let your conduct be without covetousness. Now, that's an interesting choice of word. If you go back to Exodus chapter 20, if you look at the Ten Commandments, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want. But as you look through those commandments, um, I have spoken with many people throughout the years, and I have... Uh, in these types of discussions, I've said, you know, I dare you to come up with 10 better rules for a society to run. And in these discussions, it's like it, you come down to the, the, the bottom argument, and that is you just can't. You can't come up with 10 better rules to, to run a society or a civilization. The Lord knows uh, with his uh, amazing um, foresight and knowing how we are made and created the shalls and the shall nots, the 10 big ones right there, that if we follow those, we will have an enriched relationship with the Lord. And two, civilization and society can operate in harmony if they're followed. Guess what makes the list? Thou shalt not covet. Granted, it's the last one, but if you talk to people about the Ten Commandments and, hey, where, where's your stand with the Lord? And, you know, well, I'm a pretty good person, really. Um, so, you know, and you, you get into talks about the Ten Commandments. You know, they know the big ones, right? Well, I never killed anyone. Thou shalt not kill. I haven't done that. Okay. Uh, what about uh, thou shalt not bear false witness? Ooh. Okay, well, yeah, I've kind of bumped over the line on that one. What about, um, you know... I, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And, you know, you go in through, well, nope, haven't done that. And, and you get into all these discussions, right? But then we get down to the last one, and, oh, thou shalt not covet. And, okay, good, well, we shut the book, and we're good, and we're done. Well, what about that? What about coveting? And why does that make the list? Ten rules, ten laws, if you will, of things the Lord says, listen, 
these things do, these things do not. And you'll have a relationship with me that's enriching, but also, too, this is what makes society work. And coveting makes the list. What is it? Some violations of commandments will land you in jail. Some violations may send you to court. Some may land you in prison. But if you violate the last one, thou shalt not covet, does anyone really even know? Does anyone care? In fact, not only that, but in the society in which we live in, we're getting bombarded with, get more, and this is here, and advertisements are hitting us, and pop-ups, and, and, and all these things, and we're constantly being told by society, hey, get more, get more, 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 and it's like, it's almost like you're applauded if you do to get more. I, I, you covet that, you want that, you want more, and to get more, and it's like it were hit so much. It makes the list because God knows that we can fall privy and have a susceptibility to that. Why is that a big deal? Coveting means to want more of what you already have enough of. Say it again, coveting. It means to want more of what you already have enough of. This was illustrated by Jesus in a parable. You might remember it. Very wealthy, wealthy man. In fact, the ground yielded a produce so big that he's like, what am I going to do with all this? I know I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns to hold it all. And he does that. And he fills these barns, you know, with all of this stuff and, and all of his produce and his crops. And, and the story has direct parallels to our lives today. Fills it and, and he's just overwhelmed and he's just like thinking ahead and like, wow, I can build in bigger barns and store. And, you know, the financial advisors of the day would have said, he's so wise. Good for him. That's thinking ahead. And Jesus called him a fool. Because he said, I will build bigger barns and store all of these things. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have stored so much for the future. Ease back. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus said, you fool. For tonight your soul will be required of you. And then who is going to take all of these um, these things, these, this produce. The interesting thing about that is that he was, the man in the story was storing up to enjoy all these possessions and things for a future day. He stored them up for the future, it says in verse 19. He says, I will store soul, relax, because you have plenty for the future. And ironically, he never got to enjoy it. And that's what happens. That's why not coveting hits the list. Because if we're not careful, we will take, we will become susceptible to uh, what the world is telling us and we'll be consumed with a laser focus of getting everything that we can here horizontally. 
the things, the, the material things that this world has to offer that moth will eat and rust will corrode, we'll have a laser focus and that will become our focus and that's all we'll think about. And like the man in the story, enough is never enough. We just want more and more and more and that becomes our life and the Lord would say, don't do that. Instead, store up treasure in heaven where it's eternal, amen? And how cool is that? You get to the end of the, the, the commandments and you read the last one, oh, to, and don't covet. Okay, good, got them. It's one that doesn't get a lot of press. It's one that doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's so important for us. This is a reminder for all of us. It's a reminder for us, everyone. Where should our focus be? Is it okay to have material things? If God has blessed you with the things, that, uh, material things, is that okay? Yes, absolutely. That's good. He's a loving father and he wants to bless you. What parent here does not love to see the look on their face of their kids when, on Christmas morning when they tear open uh, Christmas presents and see the surprise and the excitement and the joy? What parent doesn't like that? We do it throughout all the year. It's not just Christmas morning. We bless our kids because we, we love them. And the Bible talks about us as corrupt people, how we want to uh, bless our children, how much more a loving Heavenly Father will bless His children. Of course, He gives us things. He, he provides for us, and He gives us material things that we enjoy, and we should enjoy those. But the problem is if we then start to internalize and then keep and store for ourselves, like the man in the story, it's mine We've talked about it before. Isn't that the first word we learned? Mama. No, it was mine. Mine. Which yours is mine is mine. It's mine. Yours is mine. And mine is mine. And theirs is mine. It's in us. And we have to be careful. Because what we should do, if the Lord bless us materially, give to the poor is what Jesus would do. Store up treasures in heaven because this stuff's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. It's all going to corrode. It's all gone. We can't take the stuff with us. That should not be our focus. Our focus is, Lord, you've blessed me. How can I bless others? Paying it forward, giving, giving to those who are in need, expressing that. That's what's eternal. So the men in the story, that's a good reminder for us. So what is the antidote for this? We've learned that we're susceptible to it if we're not careful. We can be sucked into it no matter what age we're in or whatever age we are. We can have that susceptibility to gravitate to that and our focus does come to the things of this world and we do have a tendency to perhaps want more of what we already have enough of but that's not good enough. We want a little bit more and once we get that, there's the mirage. Once we get that, then, okay, yeah, then I'll be happy, you know? Just another year at work, and I'll get that step raise, and then I'll retire. And no, that's not enough. I need the next one. Or no, I want this promotion so I can get that. Or no, we have to be careful. And I think this plays into the whole idea of being thankful in this holiday that's coming up. Because being covetous, is not the relationship that the Lord would want with him. Instead, loving Jesus, you know what? Loving Jesus for who he is and what he's done will wipe that out. 
it will eliminate and wipe out being covetous. Because we realize we love Jesus. The love of Jesus, when that becomes real in our hearts, and that takes root in our heart and is growing, and we have a relationship with him, all of a sudden I realize I don't need all that. I have it all. We should be elated and doing backflips right now. Why? Because we're going to heaven. We are saved by the grace of the Lord. We celebrated that with our feast earlier in communion. We should be elated, and we are. We're excited because Jesus is coming back for us. The antidote, contentment, being content. Would you turn over with me to the book of Philippians? Philippians, we'll look at chapter 4, but Philippians is known as the book, the epistle of joy. The epistle of joy, which is ironic. Why? Because Paul's writing it from a Roman jail cell. The letter is filled with joy and peace and ways to be content. You would think it would be gloom, doom, depression, Woe is me, I'm in chains, I'm in this cold cell. This Roman guard here is giving me dirty looks. But it's not. Why? We're going to find out. Chapter 4, let's start there looking at chapter 4 of uh, Philippians, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. With thanksgiving, we let our requests be known to God. The Lord wants to hear us. He wants to know what is on your mind. What are you experiencing? Hey, what are you suffering right now? The Lord would say, I want to hear that. We make our requests known to him. Not in long, long, drawn-out 20-minute prayers. Pray, tell him directly, this is what I'm suffering. This is what I need, Lord. Pausing to hear his voice, to have him express to you his love to you and show you things even in his word, things even how he's blessed you already, that you have enough, and yes, if you have need, I'll be there. I'll, I'll give you even more. Jump down there with me to verse 11. Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. He says, in whatever state I'm in. And even if that state is California, <laughs> I am content. I tell myself that every day. You be content. But in all seriousness, to be content in any state I'm in, in lack, in my suffering right now, but in abundance, the Lord bless me perhaps materially. Wonderful. Love that. I'm in a trial and I'm hurting, suffering. Ah, don't love that. But no matter what, Paul says, hey, whatever state you're in, whether I'm in need or if I abound 
I'm content. I'm content. You, you want to know why? Because he's in love. And who's he in love with? Yes, the Lord. And when you are in love with the Lord, the whole idea of coveting other things and material, that, that fades away. That drifts away. It's a miracle. It's a miracle how that works. And what ends up being replaced with the covetousness is contentment. I'm content. You can say that in your heart. You realize, wow, thank you, Lord. I'm content. Look how you've blessed me. With thanksgiving, I make my request known to you, and I'm content where I'm at. I read a neat thing. You know, when you're, when you're newlyweds, you don't have a lot of money. At least we didn't. You don't have a lot of stuff. Moving was easy. We could move in 20 minutes. You threw everything into a big, you know, a couple laundry baskets and throw it in the rig and you move to a new apartment. It was cool um, in a way. But, um, you know, you, but you know what you have, you know, you get, you're like sitting there and it's like, man, rent's paid. Cool. How do we pull that off? Um, power bills. That's great. You know, and you got this full tummy of uh, instant mashed potatoes and gravy and grilled cheese, and you're like, life is good. I'm content. You, you ever heard of a thing called a VCR? How about you younger people? Teenagers, VCR, VCR. That's the thing that used to play like these big giant tapes, and they were, movies were on those things. And, um, you know, when my wife and I got married, we didn't have a VCR. And there was these places where you go rent a movie. You also got to rent a VCR. And it was in a case already, had a handle, and you just took it home, and you got it. And you just think, man, we're living high on the hog. And the thought of buying a VCR was like, who can afford those? That's 60 bucks. But, you know, I probably paid for like 10 VCRs throughout the time that I rented one. That's just, anyway. But to go and just blow 60 bucks on a VCR, that, mm -mm, that was not us. That was not us registering that. And so, no, you'd get home with your movie and your Papa Murphy's pizza and your VCR, and you plug everything in, and the VCR didn't work. And so you suffered. I suffered because I had to get back in the car and drive all the way back down and get another VCR that I hoped worked. So that was suffering. You're not buying that, are you? I didn't think so. But you come back, and, and that was your thing. But you, di you didn't think much of it. Why? Because you just, this is life, and we're on our own, and we're in love. We're married, and this is just how it is. It's like, cool. And then we got blessed by Amy's parents that Christmas. And like two little kids opening Christmas presents, guess what? <gasps> a VCR? We couldn't believe it. We thought we hit the lottery. We looked at them and we'd, you know, walk by Sears and look at them and go, oh, hmm, and move on. And that thing, man, that was probably a $70 VCR. I'm like, they, wow, they blessed us. We don't have to rent anymore. And now we go down there and grab a movie and, you know, put it on the counter and be like, and they're like, do you need to rent it? I'm like, nope, I don't, I got my own. <laughs> Can we hurry this up? Because I got to, you know, put my pizza in the oven.
content. You know, and then life gets a little bit more complicated and you move on and then you have kids and, you know, and, and things happen. You get a job and it gets, you know, you end up making a little bit more money. And, the guy, and you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Things happen and realize, you know, that susceptibility of wanting more can creep in. It can creep in if we're not careful that, oh, man, if I, our car is a piece of junk. If we got that car, we'd, be, we'd feel better. And perhaps you were able to move things around and get that car. And that's cool for a season. And then it's like, well, yeah, but this is a piece of junk too. Now we, we, we want that one. And it, it can just go on and on and on. And my point is this, we can become so laser focused on that occurring, reoccurring process that where's the Lord in all this? The Lord would say, hey, everyone, hey, it's me and I love you and I will give you your needs. I will take care of you because I love you. And then as time goes on and we mature in Christian walking and learning, we realize there's truth in that. I love the Lord. If we're in love with the Lord, if, if he is our everything and we understand that he's going to meet our needs, guess what? I don't have to covet anything because I know the Lord's going to provide. And if, if there's something I want really bad and he doesn't give it to me, it probably wasn't good for me. He knows best. Being content. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And down to 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. All of your needs can be met. Why? Because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His abundant riches. God owns everything. There's nothing God doesn't have and own. And he is just waiting, waiting for the moment that he can just pour out some blessing upon you and upon me. He wants to. Do you understand that? He wants to bless us. But there's baby steps that have to happen with us first. There's things that we have to understand and realize that, wow, that 10th commandment is important. It's huge. It made the list. That's the point. It made the list. So if it makes the list of all time, God says, here's 10 rules. Live by them. And if that's on the list, we need to understand and appreciate that. Knock out the covetousness and replace it with contentment. And you know what that is? That's a mindset. That's a mindset change. You can change your mind. I can change my mind by understanding and realizing that because that's what Paul was doing. Paul was literally doing that in a cell, writing these epistles, and he's uh, not writing depression, not writing appeals, not writing woe is me, not writing sin candy. He's telling the folks, be happy, in, abound in your joy. Whether you have little or whether you have great or whether you're right down the middle, wherever you're at on that scale, he says, be content with that because I am. He's writing that. That was not easy for him. It was a mindset. We have to change our minds and understand that that's what the Lord wants us to do. Amen. Okay, finally, let's turn back to Matthew. 
Matthew chapter 6, it's a well-known verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We're going to close with this thought. This is Jesus speaking to us, to you and me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you? Well, the next natural question is, well, what things? Well, what did Jesus just talk about? Go back a few verses. Let's look there at verse 25 of that chapter. Therefore, I say to you, wow, do not worry. What did we sing? Why do I worry? Why do I worry? Why do I worry? He says not to. Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they no, neither soil, soy, excuse me, <laughs> sow, I'll get it there in a minute, nor reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Isn't that interesting? We just read about a guy, or we talked about a guy who uh, had so much produce, he was blessed, but rather than doling those blessings out to others and storing up treasures in heaven, he did the foolish thing and built bigger barns to store for himself to enjoy later, which ironically never got to enjoy in the first place. Are the birds building barns? Jesus was saying, no, they don't even have to worry. Why? Because their heavenly father looks after them, takes care of them. Not a sparrow falls to the ground without the Lord seeing it. How much more value are you? How much more value are you than the birds? If the Lord is so concerned about them and meets their needs, how much more is he concerned about you? He goes on, verse 27, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? Or, what shall I drink? Or, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that we just mentioned will be added unto you. Are you clothed today? Yeah. Did you eat today? Probably. I had turkey sausage, but we'll fix that. 
Are your needs met? He says, I'm going to give, I'm going to take care of your needs. He says, don't, don't worry about to, tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own problems. Today has its own problems. He says, don't worry. And I find it so awesome that we sang that song that tells us, why do we worry? Are, are you anxious? Are you concerned? Remember, Paul is speaking in Philippians. He's speaking to people that the culture was literally crumbling around them. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> it's the church, folks. It was the early church, and we are part of that. That message is for you and me as well. Does it feel like the culture is crumbling around us, that there's uncertainties that we don't understand, things that we've never seen in our lifetimes, and sufferings that we're going through? What is going on? The Lord's saying, I've allowed a few of these. I stopped the big ones because I knew that would be too much, and I'm not going to put more on you than you can bear, but here's a couple because why? I want your spirit forged, and I want your spirit strengthened because I want you reaching out and calling to me and relying on me and understanding, hey, don't worry because I've told you in my word, don't worry. If, I, if I'm going to take care of the birds, I'm going to take care of you. I've given you what you need, and I will continue to do so. Now, what's our job? Be content with that. Be content with that. I read something interesting. It takes 60 trillion droplets of water to completely close and fog up seven city blocks. 60 trillion. Do you know how much a million is? Okay, that's a lot. Do you know how much a... Uh, a billion is? Uh, a lot more. Do you know how much a trillion is? A million millions? Our mathematician back there. 60 trillion droplets of water can fog out seven city blocks. Bring it to a halt. Close airports. But did you know, if you took all of that water brought it together and condensed it, it'd be half a glass of water. Now, I don't know how these people figure this stuff out. Anything past 10, I'm taking a shoe off. But these people figure this stuff out. It's mind-blowing, and I love the analogy because, you know, we, we have a half a glass of water, and there's our problem, and we're like, and, oh, and we make it 60 trillion droplets of problems. And we expand. Why? Because we're, we're toiling, we're worrying, we're, we're anxious, and we're going through all this stuff, and oh, woe is me, and, and we, we are stressing out. And you know what? God would say, it's a glass of water, guy. I have you. Do not get locked up and frozen and walk around in a fog trying to figure this out, wanting more, not content with where you're at, coveting other things of this world that will be destroyed by fire, don't do it. Why? Instead, trust in me. Don't worry. I love you. I love you way more than the birds, and I take care of them and their needs. And then I will even give you, I, I, I have all the riches that you can imagine. And I'm waiting to bless you with them, but I need you in the right spot. I need you in the right spot to know and have the maturity that, you know what, if I do bless you materially, I know what you're going to do with that. 
And if I do bless you materially, you're not going to want more and covet more because you got a little. And then, you know, instead what you're going to do is you're going to bless others because you see that that is going to be eternal for the kingdom. You want to bless their hearts as the Lord has blessed you. It's a beautiful picture. And I think it's fitting for this time that we're in. I think it's fitting for the week we're about to go into. You know what's ironic? The day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday. You know, and on Thanksgiving we sit around and, oh, my goodness, look at this feast. That poor turkey, thank you, or ham, whatever it's going to be this year. And, and you know, and we eat and we, we just, we, we go around the room and what we're thankful for. And we do and we, we are folks, I know that. And then it's, it just goes into the afternoon and evening and midnight. Ding! Oh, okay. Um, okay, get the coupon. Let's online. Okay, we can't. Remember the old days where you'd have to go to Walmart at 3 in the morning to get in line? And then people were actually getting hurt by the stampedes of the doors opening. And hey, folks, relax. You know, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? It's just I see that and I laugh. I go, wow. We are in a society where we're so deeply reflecting and our thanksgiving and yes and then wow and the next day get it all you know what amazon prime free shipping i say that with a little bit of humor and i'm all for shopping and getting lower prices okay i'm all for that that's not my intent but do you guys see where the irony is there guys go black Friday shopping, please. That, that is not my intent. But it's an, it's an idea. It's a parallel. It's something to consider. It's what our society has done. And let us not fall privy. Let us not be susceptible to those things as Christians. Let us be at a point in our life where, Lord, you're all I need. You're all I need. Let us be people that are in a place where I am content. Do you know how freeing that is? Do you guys realize that? I'm telling you that because there's times where I've had to become that way in my own life. You know, some people are in jobs where the pressure really is there to promote and promote and move up and get out, you know. And it's like, yeah, no. Yeah, but you're going to make so much more in retirement. I don't care. That is not important to me. I'm content. And it's a word you don't really hear a lot of people talk about these days. I'm content. I'm happy with where the Lord has me. I'm excited with what the Lord's doing. May we get to a point in our life where that's what we're saying. I'm content, Lord. I'm blessed. You provide me with the needs that I have. And this Thanksgiving, I can actually sit down and really mean that, Lord, thank you. I give you my Thanksgiving. I give you um, I, my needs. I lay them at your feet, and you, uh, you bless me abundantly. You've always taken care of me. He always has taken care of you, and he does, and he always will. Closing this message, you might think, Rev, that's for the little kids, you know, because we know kids, right? Ah, you, you get them a gift and it's fun for a while, but, but now I need the upgrade, you know, and it's like, yeah, but, but it comes with a battery pack that can last, and they're always wanting, you know, a little bit more. It's just them though, right? It's the kids. Teenagers. Be content. 
young adults, be content. Parents, be content. Old guys like me, be content. Grandma and Grandpa, be content. That's the message today, folks. We're going to not covet the things of this world and the things in this time and space and this dimension because it's temporary. Instead, we're going to focus on what's real and what's eternal. And guess what? We're going to be content. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you for gathering here and assembling with us today. Thank you for being here. You are, uh, you are a blessed people. I think we can all agree, right? You're a blessed people, and the Lord loves you. There is uh, the message in Philippians was to a people that their culture was crumbling. There was a lot of uncertainties, but you know what Paul was telling them? He said, listen, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and he has, um, he has victory completely over everything. On the cross, he said, it is finished. Your salvation is locked in. If you know Jesus today, you're saved. Do a backflip. I want to watch. Um, do a backflip, either figuratively or physically if you can. But either way, be elated to the fact of this. Be thankful you're going to heaven. Because this is as bad as it's ever going to get for us. It's as good as it's ever going to get for the non-believer. That's the perspective. So in all the things in this world and in this life, we can just be content. Because we're going to end up in a place in heaven when Jesus comes back for us that is going to be a mind blower. And every day there will be a mind blower. It's not like we'll be up there with harps and like, well, this was fun for the first week. Our minds will continually to be blown every second we're there. That is what our hope is. That's what we look forward to. We are excited for that. The rapture is going to happen. There's an older brother here that I love so dearly in this church, and every time we talk, it's about the rapture. And that warms my heart. Because he's one of the oldest guys in here, and I don't think he'd mind me saying that. And guess what his heart thinks about? Jesus coming back. The rapture is what he's, it's what's on his heart, what's on his mind. And I'm blessed by that. That's the day we live in. Be content.